Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Engaging in Teaching and Learning, a podcast produced by the Virtual Learning Lounge, a network of online resources focused on teaching and learning at Las Cruces Public Schools. Through our interviews with LCPS staff, we want to celebrate what's happening in our district and learn more about how we can support all learners. I am your host, Jesse Perio, and co-hosting with me again today is Jeanette Covarrubia. And again, for a lot of you who are um, regular listeners, you know that Jeanette is my helper when it comes to elementary. She is awesome about help it, helping to come up with topics, elementary topics and questions. And so Jeanette, I just want to, I really want to thank you again for helping host today. You're absolutely welcome, Jesse. Thank you for having me again. And on our, on today's episode, um, we have with us Sonia Sice and Amanda McDowell, and we're going to be discussing how schools are meeting the social and emotional needs of our kiddos in the district, especially at the elementary level. So before we kick this off, can each of you just give us a brief bio, tell us what your title is in the district, where you work, years experience, and anything else you'd like for us to know about you? Hello, my name is Sonia Saiz. I am the coordinator of mental health and academic counseling for LCPS. Um, it's such a privilege to be here. Thank you both for having me. I This is my 20th year in education. I also have a special education teaching certificate and have um, throughout my 20 years have done everything from elementary teaching to elementary special education social work to genet social work through um, through the college level. I, I also teach at uh, for the School of Social Work at NMSU. So I've I've spanned all ages um, and grades and it's been a wonderful experience. So again, happy to be here. Great, thank my, you. My name is Amanda McDowell. I'm a social worker with Las Cruces Public Schools and I work at Alameda Elementary School. Um, I have been with the district for two and a half years. And um, before that, I worked for Child Protective Services for about 10 years. Thank you, Sonia and Amanda, for those introductions. Can you start off by telling us what some primary responsibilities for social workers are in our district? Definitely. So we have um, school social workers. We have approximately, I would say, 40 throughout the district um, at all levels, but the majority of our general education social workers work at the elementary level. Um, and I would, I, I'm gonna actually refer to Amanda to give you the, the very specifics of her, her day, but the, the work that I support is um, the prevention that they, that they attend to on a daily basis um, and intervention. So it, it ranges, it's, it's always amazing to me how much um, our social workers are actually responsible for as far as like, um, crisis with uh, children, teachers, families. Uh, they attend to different crises. They go into classrooms and teach prevention curriculum like social emotional learning, our second step curriculum. Um, they support uh, administrators in their work with teachers in any way that they can. They're just really, um, they're, they're so, um, just multi-capable of, of, of doing so many different things that really address their, their community's needs. So, but Amanda can probably give you the gist of the day-to-day -day work. 
thanks, Sonia. Yeah, so day to day, I mean, we try to keep track of attendance the best we can. Um, we run attendance reports every week and try to um, get students connected, um, especially now that we're virtual, trying to figure out what barriers are um, and helping parents through those barriers to get children online and learning or um, now back in the classroom. Um, but um, a lot of it is it's just really providing support to families and to staff um, with a variety of things. Um, since the pandemic, it's been kind of more about um, how we take care of uh, well-being and basic needs of families, um, and as well as uh, you know providing social emotional support. Yeah, that was going to go. Um, that was going to lead into my next question. So, a complex issue that we've seen take place is the global pandemic. Um, the situation has dramatically impacted the social and emotional needs of our students. What are some changes that you've seen um, in the needs of students and families or even staff this past year? And how does it differ from the years past? That's a really great um, question. So what we've seen at the district level, and when I say we, I'm referring to um, my directors, Amy Hemmelwright, uh, she's a counselor by trade. I'm a social worker by trade. So it's a nice come together, you know, to span span the assessing the needs of of our our families across the district. And what we've seen is really just the support to know how to be not just now the the parent, the guardian, the grandma, the nana, the tia, the like their typical role. Like now they're taking on being teacher. Um, they're so like they're they're doing everything at this point for their for their for the children they're they're taking care of at home and so like Amanda said basic needs immediately when the pandemic set in that was like we were in crisis intervention mode I felt at all levels and we were having to do lots of communication with each other just to make sure that families were getting what they were needing and what they were identifying as need was really um, food. Uh, toiletries, like all of that stuff. So that as, as we put systems into place to meet those needs, now it's really been about the isolation that um, our students are experiencing. And, and um, yes, I, I wanna give Amanda an opportunity to speak as well, cause she's, she's right there at the front line for sure. Thank you, Sonia. Um, I mean, it changed pretty drastically, like Sonia said, right from the beginning. And just um, uh, you know, uh, accounting for every child, make sure that you know, making sure families were safe, um, and then addressing basic needs. Um, and then the district was amazing about getting families technology. So um, you know, getting people internet and computers, and making sure that they had access. Um, a lot of us did. Um, we went and dropped things off to people's homes, um, just, you know, communicated with relatives of families to make sure they were okay. Um, so it, it changed from, um, I think, more meeting behavioral needs and basic needs at school to all of a sudden being remote and figuring out what that was like and how we could best um, reach out to parents and figure out what they need. Um, at one point, we did do like a 
a survey um, with our families. We sent it out. I think it was just our school to find out who, um, who and what families needed more um, behavioral and emotional support while at home. And then we were able to reach out to all those families as well and, and get them connected with the social worker and, and counselor. Absolutely. Um, you know, I've gotten to see Amanda in action and, and you're right, Sonia, they, they juggle so much and do so much. Yeah. Uh, one thing I know that parents really needed to hear was that, um, that we are here for them, that you guys are there for them. Um, I know, you know, Amanda was in homes trying to get kiddos online, you know, with families who, who weren't very tech savvy and just those little things um, mean a lot to them. So that was just wonderful to see. How do you, how do you go about assessing mental health needs for our students? And, and how does it Im impact academics or how have you seen it impact academics? So one way that it's different now um, or as we've been virtual versus before is a lot of assessment in my experience has the, it's, it's through interaction and engagement with, uh, with a young person, right? And, and having relationship. So um, referrals will come in. Some people I've not ever tended to use um, a more, there are very like, um, I'm not finding the word, but there are assessments, like actual assessments you can use, like checklist assessments, right? And when you have an idea of what you're looking for as a general education social worker, you it's it's really about communicating with the people who are concerned for that child, whether it's yourself or not, right? So social workers tend to be out and about in the cafeteria at lunch recess, like like in the classrooms doing lessons or whatever, so that they can get to know students and then um, just do like these op. Uh, observation type assessments on what the need might be, but a lot, and I'll let Amanda speak to this as well, also comes from the, the you know, people making the referrals, the families reaching out, teachers, administrators saying, you know, I'm, con I'm concerned about so-and-so because this is what I saw happen or a situation that we may know that they've been through, like they've had a death in the family. And then specifically now with um, being online, it's been hard to do that, right? Because we're not engaging one-on-one -on -one with them on a regular basis. A lot of them that my understanding don't have their cameras on when they're in Zooms. So we've lost that part of, of, of how to assess, right? So I just think people are doing the best they can in making themselves available as far as the counselors and social workers by different ways of like, if you're needing this, like really getting our community has been amazing and they've come together and really put a lot of supports in place. And so what I've tried to do at this, the district level is make sure that Amanda and all of her colleagues have what they need to be able to do those referrals when that information of need, like when they're getting contacted about what the need is for students. Um, so I, I think, um... Yeah, I mean, I think it's just changed drastically. I think, I mean, a lot of it is dependent on, we depend on teachers a lot yeah. to um, help us identify which kids are needing extra support. 
because teachers have the most contact with the student. Um, so I think it's also very important for social workers to try to build relationships with the teachers and the staff. Um, and that's kind of how I hear about students and how I know which ones need support because I can remember from when we were in the building and you know I know who, who needed support at that time, but that has changed a little bit. There's some students that have done um, exceptionally well that we were worried about and others that we didn't expect to struggle, they started struggling. So um, I think teachers were just, um, you know, just looking for different cues online, noticing if students were shut down, um, just trying to pay attention to those things. In addition to like, you know, who, who's um, absent a lot and who's um, not participating. I mean, some of those things sometimes had to do with parents' mental health or, or students' mental health, but, um, but yeah, sometimes it's just, you know, teachers' observation that really made a huge difference for us identifying kids. I, I agree with you. Um, it definitely is a team effort and we definitely need to have those communication channels open um, to best serve our students. Jeanette, do you mind if I ask a question? I'm gonna chime in. I know you have your questions, but um, this conversation is really prompting me to, to think of something. So for, for our listeners out there, you all know that um, I'm secondary level. And as we are moving back face-to-face, -face, I've noticed with not only the students at our school, but my own children who are secondary age um, are really stressed and, and worried about coming back. Um, is that something that you all are seeing at the elementary level as well? Like, has there been an increase, a spike in emotional, social like supports or, or need for support at the thought of like, I'm coming back to school. I didn't learn for a year. I'm worried about coming back to school. Does that, has that come up at all at the elementary level? Um, I think not, I mean, not the fear of them not knowing, um, not being worried about what they know or don't know or what they haven't learned yet. Um, I don't know how aware some of the younger kids are about that, but definitely, I mean, this was, um, we just had our first day um, yesterday. And uh, so we got to see what that was going to look like. And it was um, a lot of the, the usual stuff you see with the kindergartners their first time being in our building and yeah. it being very different than before. So we were trying to figure out how to best support them in that. I mean, parents aren't allowed to walk their students, um, their children into their, their classroom. So um, just trying to work with parents about the importance that we don't have, um, we don't have anyone in the building that doesn't need to be there because of uh, just being COVID safe. Um, but um, I think a lot of, I mean, I saw so many smiles yesterday, just a lot of really happy kids to, to get back to seeing um, their teachers and, and having that interaction because as humans, we're just, we're social creatures. I mean, we really thrive on, on like how Sonia said earlier, it's the relationships that, that we really, um, you know, creates that learning environment for children. So um, I think our staff did an amazing job at, um, at building rapport remotely with students. Um, but this um, opportunity to now come back into the building as safe as we can is, is really um, gonna be even more beneficial to kids. 
I think um, their social emotional health and, and their, you know, educationally as well. No, no, that's great news. And for the most part, we've had all smiles too, but I know there's been pockets of kids just a little nervous and, or parents a little worried about that kind of stuff. So that's what, I, sorry to I would No, that's a really great point because I, I would dare to say that even we, like I know I felt very anxious coming back into this office, right? And it had, it, it's this, it's like this, this um, sudden change and change can be, um, when we don't have time to transition, um, there, it can be very anxiety inducing and there's, there's fear there, right? On some level. And I think older kids communicate it better. I also have a, a, a sophomore at home and he was concerned if he would do as well as he'd do online. So, and, and then he was concerned about getting COVID, like he doesn't wanna get sick, right? So I think all of those are still very real things. And when we give all young people and our staff opportunity to just have an, an uh, like be able to process that, whether it's through a drawing, a storytelling, there's to help them readjust. Um, I think is 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 a wonderful way to to address what um, what fears and 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 whatnot people might be feeling right now for sure. So thank you for bringing that up, Mr. Perio. Thank you. That was a great question. Um, in regards to that, is there any specific program or curriculum that you guys use at your schools or at the district level? Um, to help with this, with coping with anxiety or maybe their social and emotional development? So um, as Amanda was talking about, you know, building rapport, I, I would dare to say, I hope to, I hope that part of what helped with that is our counselors and social workers got together throughout this entire school year and they would create weekly social emotional learning lessons to address things like self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, relationship skills, and responsible decision-making. Those are the, the components of social-emotional learning. And they do that through a, um, a second-step uh, evidence-based curriculum that is in, it engages students in just different um, activities and um, just ways in how to build their abilities in these area. And I think one of the most important um, competencies was like self-management, right? Like managing, we've seen across the nation, what the research is showing us is that the levels of anxiety and depression in school-age children and college-age students has increased at least by, I wanna say 30%, something like that, it's around. And, and so if we're a reflection of that here in Las Cruces, knowing to what, how to identify that, which is really the self-awareness um, part, like understanding feelings, emotions, where they're coming from, and then being able to know, well, what do I need because I'm feeling like this? And, and sometimes when you're in a, in a home where there's significant mental illness or that, we need more than that, right? It's, these are very, these are skills that are beneficial for everybody across the board, but we also know that we've had to attend to very critical types of situations with regard to, to mental health, whether it, be, whether it be our students or, or their families or um, 
even even our staff, right? Like I, I'm the first because I think it's very much a part of destigmatizing mental health. I went through a depressive episodes in this past year. I experienced um, extreme anxiety at different times during this past year. I had a conversation with my own son during this past year. Are you like, are you thinking of killing yourself? Are you thinking of harming yourself? Like having those conversations and being really very real. And you can have those types of conversations, even with younger children at the elementary level, but the social emotional learning is really the foundation of how to even approach those types of conversations with them. Yeah, those are some great ways to help reduce those barriers for sure. So we're in the home stretch, right, of remote learning. <laughs> and for some of us, we've started back in the building. What advice would you give students, families, and our staff to keep them motivated during these last few weeks of learning? Amanda, I'm gonna let you go first on this one. Um, so advice for the next few weeks to keep them motivated. Um, I mean, I, I think just, you know, continuing to, I mean, teachers are very passionate about teaching. I mean, just, you know, continue that passion. The teachers have done an amazing job at um, just kind of knowing you know what where students are at in Alameda I'm sure other schools have this too but they have the small group um, lessons with with children so that they're or with students so that they're addressing what their specific um, learning level is um, but I mean I, I think just um, I think mostly people are just excited to be back um, there was just a lot of enthusiasm with the teachers um, yesterday just being so excited to really get that opportunity to teach in person and and to do what they what they love doing um but um yeah I mean I, I think just keeping it up we are almost almost there almost at the end of the year already um but um we'll try to make it as fun and safe as possible <laughs> Definitely. And I just want to add that I think if people, if families and teachers and, and our students can think about how they were successful when we switched it up going into virtual, and then we switched it up a couple of times on them, like try and find how you were successful. I think routine is very helpful, even though we keep switching it on them. We've got a lot of resiliency that people have built out there, right? So like just come back to what you've had real success with. And um, yeah, we it's it's gonna go by really quick. <laughs> Routines, it, it, but no. It's important to celebrate those many, those many celebrations every day. And and I think um, you guys are both right. Keeping those communication channels open with parents, what they're needing still, right? Um, what's what patterns we're seeing in students as they're coming back and, and all of those things. So how can um, students and families or even staff um, reach out to get more information or more resources within the district? So we have a lot of, um, we have a lot of resources. So one very direct way is to reach out to your person at your school. So Amanda McDowell, um, is, is an example of that there at Alameda, right? Like reach out to Amanda, reach out to um, 
you have, st- I, I'm trying, I'm drawing a blanket, reach out to your counselor and our social worker, even your principals, but we do have um, Mesilla Valley Hospital who has put out a back to school stress, like our back to school stress support. And this is specifically for teachers, guardians, and families of our school age children. And you can reach them at 1-800-877-3500. And again, that's MesillaValleyHospital.com is would be the website. And then um, we also have our EAP program, Celeste Sanchez, who can be, and this is specifically for our, our staff, our teachers and whatnot. Um, you, she can be reached at 527-6028 or 635-2243. Her email is ssanchez with a Z4 at lcps.net. And then we have our Ben Archer uh, student-based health centers. So referrals to those. And again, families can reach out to their um, counselor or social worker to ask to for a referral to our student-based health centers. And then um, we just, we have a few more resources, but I don't want to dominate in case Amanda has some herself. You can also reach out to me. Um, I, you, my email is m as in Magdalena, because I have a lot of different names. So M size, M-S-A-I-Z at lcps.net. And to our listeners, um, I'm going to get with Ms. Size and we'll get all of this information into the show notes. So don't stress out if you didn't catch it all. We'll have links and phone numbers and everything in the show notes for, for our listeners. I just want to chime in and let them know. Perfect. Thank you for that. Amanda, was there, did I miss something? No, I think that's that's it. Sonia, just reaching out to your, you know, your school social worker or counselor because um, you know, I think we're all pretty good about getting parents um or or families exactly what they need. Um just as long as they, you know, let us know what it is, we do our best to try to figure out, you know, solutions for whatever they're dealing with. Definitely. Wow, those are some amazing resources that you guys have just Um, offered and we thank you for that. It's super important to find the why and what we do and it's very clear why you chose this profession. Social work is all about understanding and striving to improve the lives of those in the community and thank you so much for the work that you do. For for listening to the needs of your students and families, I mean you guys are really the, the heroes every day. Again, thank you so much for taking the time to chat about the amazing roles that social workers take on in our Las Cruces public schools. Yes, and to, to echo what Ms. Covarrubia just said, thank you all for what you do for, for our kiddos, our teachers, our families. You do so much, so we appreciate that. And thank you again for being on the show today. Um, we appreciate you sharing with us um, all of this great information, so thank you. Definitely. And thank you to all of the listeners, the teachers, you all are the glue that keep it all together. Thank you so much for everything you do every single day for every one of our students. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And listeners, we want to thank you for joining us on today's podcast. We look forward to listener feedback on today's show. Please follow BL2LCPS on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. 
And please share feedback on the podcast and any ideas for future episodes on our social media platforms, any of our platforms, or you could email us at vl2 at lcps.net. Thanks so much for listening today and we'll see you next time.